you've got to have, uh, I think, again, the right relationships, being surrounded with the right people. Because right now, I might not have the answer. Billy might have the answer. And because I'm connected with Billy, hey, Billy, I'm struggling with this. What do you think? And you got the answer, right? Now I'm in a much better position. But if I try to figure this out by myself, or if I'm only you know looking online, online's powerful. Online's a powerful resource, right? It's the reason why you're creating this content. It's the reason why I'm creating content. Online is an incredibly powerful uh, resource, but it's not as powerful as someone that's a phone call away. Everything is possible. Just hustle. Just hustle. The Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, where we keep it real, I state in entrepreneurship wisdom. Learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. Here's your host, Billy the Kid, aka Billionaire. Everything is possible, just hustle, just hustle. Everything is possible, just hustle. Welcome to the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast, baby, where you're going to learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you broke. It's your boy, Billy the Kid, a.k.a. BDK, a.k.a. Billionaire in this mug. Man, I just got done interviewing the man, the myth, the legend, Steve Trang. And wow, uh, literally, guys, you know, those of you who are listening to this podcast, my goal is to bring real-time millionaires to give you millionaire habits on how they did it. How did they get to where they're at? But on top of that, my goal is to write a book together. That's my goal. Every podcast, every episode that you listen, my goal is to write a book together, compacted to get you on your million-dollar hustle. And today, guys... <laughs> it I mean, it was fire after fire, heat after heat, Phoenix heat. <laughs> um, yeah, but seriously, guys, there's so many gems, so much wisdom. I cannot wait to get into the episode. And matter of fact, uh, I want to let you guys know that we did something cool together. If you go to disruptors.com slash Billy the Kid, Check out all the education, all the information that you can get and take action, guys. That's one main thing we talked about is taking action. You have to take action. And also the book of the week. I mean, uh, <laughs> you guys know how I feel about this book and and just so many great things. Um, with that being said, though, uh, by the time this podcast comes out, the... As of right now, and because we're recording this towards the end of December, just FYI, those of you who are listening, and uh, I'm going to release it in the first quarter of uh, 2023. So it's 2023 now that you're listening to this podcast. You got your goals ready? Are you doing what you're supposed to do to get on that million-dollar hustle, guys? Action, right? Like, let, what, are, what are you doing? Uh, drop me a comment. Let me know. Inbox me. Um, but I... I am doing a goal-setting mastermind, uh, which, again, by the time this comes out, but it's December 31st, um, and I cannot wait because goal-setting is so important. It has changed uh, my life, the people around me, friends, family that I got on to do goal-setting. It's super important, and so I got that going on. Those of you who are listening to, to though... Uh, uh, those of you who are listening, though, wow, I'm over here stuttering, man. I'm so excited. Uh, 
make sure that you guys hit up info at billythekid.com. Uh, if you're interested in joining the Get Uncomfortable Mastermind, we meet every Thursday through Zoom. And literally, we talk about the stuff that you need to do, the stuff that and, and the crazy thing, guys, is we have so many great people in that mastermind. There's so many great people with a lot of wisdom. They have a lot of knowledge in different areas. So what are you waiting for? Join us. And we also have a Facebook group. We have a daily chat. And guys, when I tell you my phone is on fire, it's on fire every day from that daily chat. So hit up info at billythekid.com with your story so we can make sure that this mastermind group is the right fit for you. And if it is, we're going to let you in. Also, one-on-one -on -one coaching, guys. Um, those of you who are interested in the one-on-one -on -one coaching that I'm doing, uh, it's a six-month six six month, six, six month um, stretch, six-month program to literally give you a roadmap to where you want to go. And with all the stuff that I've learned to get to where I'm at, I'm going to literally put you on game so you can do it. And again, guys, 2023, man, what are you waiting for? Let's let's uh, hop on that next thing. Let's get uncomfortable. Right. So otherwise, uh, I am releasing a Spanish, we'll call it album. Uh, and if you're not following me on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, YouTube, anywhere you listen to music, go check out Billy the Kid. All my music's on there, but I'm releasing a Spanish album. Uh, and so far, I've, I've released a song, and I'm going to release a song every two to three weeks, guys, until the album drops fully. Uh, so go show love. It's called Tres Veces Mojado, and it's called Soy de los Ranchos. That's literally the title because that's where I'm from. That's uh, the name of the little village that I come from. Uh, it's it's literally a ranch, guys, like uh, a farm. So that that's... That's what I'm doing with this project. So check that out. Um, other than that, grab a copy of The Power Being Uncomfortable. And also, I'm mailing out free autograph CDs. So go to BillyTheKid.com. Drop me your email, your information on there. And I'm going to send you a free autograph CD. Um, otherwise, guys, uh, as of right now, again, when this airs, uh, right now, I just got done buying... Um, a fourplex. I'm buying another fourplex. As of right now, we're going back and forth. Uh, so by the time this comes out, hopefully we are ready and and moved forward. And uh, we we we've done all the great things that we're gonna do to that place for somebody to call a home. And you know, my mission, and I want you guys to think of this. Those of you who are thinking of getting into real estate, for example, and just any business in general, what is your why? So for me, for example, being an investor. As a kid growing up with a single uh, mom and not having the most that we could have at that time, um, my goal as a landlord has been to be the landlord that I wish I would have had then with my mom, right? To, you know, somebody that comes out and, and takes care of the issues that uh, we used to have, right? And I think you have to think like that in any business that you get into, what is your why? And, you know, especially as a kid, what are some of the things that you went through growing up that you can go back and help others now and make their life a little easier? And I think when you focus on a mission like that, you're going to be great. 
You're going to be a great person. You're going to be great in business regardless. So, but enough of that, guys. I'm super excited, man. Let's get to this episode of the Million Dollar Hustle podcast with Steve Trang, baby. Vamanos. Welcome to the Million Dollar Hustle podcast, baby, where you're going to learn to think like a millionaire and hustle like you're broke. And today, man, it is fire packed. It's heat just because he's in Phoenix. Better than where I'm at right now. I'm over, I'm over here wearing a vest, bro. How you doing, Steve Trang? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me, dude. Dude, I, I'm super excited. Uh, since I met you, I think about a year ago now. Uh, and before that, man, I've been watching your growth and everything that you do, Steve, is amazing. So I just wanted to give you your flowers right off the bat. But uh, let's dive in, man. Uh, if you could let us know, where are you from? Where were you born? Oh, we're going back where I'm born. I was actually born in Italy. Uh, I was born in Italy uh, in a refugee camp, right? So, I mean, go, if we're going back where we're from, you know, my grandparents were all from China. Uh, communism took over. You know, there were a lot of promises that were made, uh, maybe not kept. So they fled uh, for their safety. Um, had my parents when, uh, when they were in Vietnam. My parents met, got married. Communism took over again. Promises made, not quite kept. My parents fled on boats, and we were rescued uh, by the Italian Navy uh, in the waters. And I was born in a refugee camp. So, wow, wow, yeah. that 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 is crazy. Uh, you know, and I can relate to that to a certain extent. Uh, I was born in El Salvador, and uh, I always like to say I was. I started from negative one hundred. Like we didn't start from zero, right? Like just being born in the, in this great nation is literally starting from zero. So that is crazy. Uh, so how was it growing up, Steve? Uh, where, so where did you end up at? Was it Arizona right away or? Yeah. Yeah. So when we came into this country, we came in the sky Harbor airport. Uh, I was seven months old, uh, when we came to this great country. So, um, everything I know is America, right? I mean, I'm basically American poor, you know, poor as hell growing up. Right. Living in mobile homes and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I mean, everything I know is America, uh, except for Brisbane, in California. Everything I know is Arizona. So I'm American through and through. You know, I kind of make this joke like I got, uh, you know, a mix. I got, you know, the the Asian culture, you know, the things that I like about the Asian culture, the things I like about, I like about the American culture. And, and, and we blend it into to what we got today. Man, I love that. That is awesome. Definitely. I'm, I'm relating to all that. Um, so how so you said it was you were poor as hell growing up. Uh, uh, the question I want to ask you is, uh, when was that seed planted of entrepreneurship? Uh, I'm assuming it wasn't all these great things that you're doing nowadays. Uh, how, how was it growing up? Uh, you know, um, my, my parents taught me about money from a young age, you know, because we were poor. Right. Uh, but even though we were poor. Um, they did have entrepreneurial parents. My, my my parents had entrepreneurial parents, right? Both my grandparents, both my grandfathers on both sides were business owners. Um, and so they had some some of these principles. And, you know, my mom would say things like, you know, uh, a penny save is a penny earned, you know, the Benjamin Franklin quote. And I hated it, right? As a kid, I just hated it. But the reality is, it's true, right? Uh, so they taught me a lot about money. You know, I, I would ask my dad, hey, how come everyone's driving Mercedes? You know, and we're driving this really old Dodge Caravan, you know, and he's like, because we're better with money. He's like, what does that mean? He's like, they're probably financing it or a lease or this and that. And I was like, 
Okay, that doesn't make any sense to me, right? As in high school, that makes no sense to you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it makes sense now. And so they taught me a lot of these principles. And as far as the entrepreneurial part, you know, um, I guess I've always been a little bit greedy. So, you know, as a kid, uh, I was selling candy. Uh, I remember in eighth grade, I got a lot of trouble. I was selling these limon packets. You know, you buy these things that are salt, uh, that are salty and sweet at the same time. Uh, like, or they were lemon pepper, right? So I, I would sell them. I would buy them for a nickel each at a place called Espinosa's, which is right off the Indian tribe, right around here in Chandler. I buy them for a nickel each and I sell them for a quarter each. And right. I mean, that is, what is that? 800% profit margin? Something ridiculous. Capitalist at his finest. <laughs> right. And I would make money selling out of school until I got in trouble. And so, but that, um, I mean, there was that uh, selling. I did. I was really good in school, so I would I would take the tests right uh, in math and put all the answers in my calculator, and then bid my calculator to whoever wanted to use it for the next class. So I was always mm. I was always hustling in one way or another. Wow, <laughs> it may it may it's funny you mentioned calculator. I always go back to in school, uh, which you know I'm, I would love to hear your feedback on this too. Um, you know they used to always say. Oh, what are you going to do? Carry a calculator in your pocket every day, right? And it's like, now, yeah, we do. <laughs> um, yes, what what are there you go. <laughs> what are what are uh, your pros and cons with school because I feel like there's this fight going on between yeah. uh entrepreneurship and then just go to school, get a job and all that. Uh, can you give us some perspective on that? Yeah, well, you know, with our podcast, Creating 100 Millionaires, uh, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about it is that I do want to breed entrepreneurialism. I want to uh, breed capitalism, right? Because, again, like, our family has had everything taken away from us twice, right? Due to promises of, you know, government will give you whatever you want. So, Mm. for me, like, I am speaking the gospel of capitalism, right? Is it perfect? Absolutely not, right? I mean, it's it's liable to it's corruption like everything else, but it's done more than anything else. So that's the reason why I have the podcast. So I believe if people want to be entrepreneurial, they should not be required to go to school and they can go hustle right, and learn. If you don't want to be an entrepreneur, then yeah, go get a job. I'm not saying going to college is a bad thing, but let's see, I'm 43, right? So I graduated college in 2002, right? In 2002, I mean, even 1999, right? When I, 98, when I started college, I looked around, I picked engineering as a degree. Why? Because that's a skill I can use to market. And I would look around and I was like, what exactly are you going to do with your history degree? What are you going to be doing with your liberal arts degree? So like, this is not like a new debate, right? That, that, that debate's been around forever. But me, mm-hmm. as, a, as an engineering student, I would look at the business students like, okay, well, I hope you get a good job at, you know, one of these fine accounting firms or big business firms, you know, but there's no way they can hire all you guys. Um, mm. and so I think that college makes sense. So long as you're going for a degree, that makes sense. Right. For example, my middle child, her goal is to be a heart surgeon, right? She's in uh fifth grade right now. She wants to be a heart surgeon when she grows up. So she already has a plan, by the way, her plan, mom and dad did not make a sniper. This is her plan. She wants to go to college. She wants to go to a good college. She wants to go to medical school and just get residency, become a surgeon, all that fun stuff. Right. You can't become a heart surgeon without a medical degree. <laughs> You just can't. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't, right? Um, but if you want to be an entrepreneur, like I don't think college is a must anymore, or not even an entrepreneur, a tradesman. You want to be a tradesman, you shouldn't. You don't have to go to college, right? Like 
the reason why plumbers and electricians and all these guys make so much money is because they're doing things that other people don't want to do. Not because mm -hmm. it's, uh, not to say it's not a valuable skill, but supply and demand just makes it a more valuable skill. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it really depends on what your goals are. And then instead of deciding, you know, college or not college to f decide what is I want to do and what's the path that gets me there. Mm, love it. Love it. And you mentioned your kids. Um, you know, that's another debate that uh, you hear all the time, right? Like once you're, you once you hit that milestone and you've done what you did in your life and you are 95 years old right now, uh, what are the things that you're most proud of uh, with your kids, family, business? Uh, I mean, I think a lot of us will say legacy, right? Because significance is one of those things that we chase. Like, if you look at our Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, the very bottom is food and shelter, right? Like, that's the very basic needs. And at some point, you know, there's um, a, a, a sustainable, you know, life. But you get to a point where money doesn't really check the box anymore. I mean, research consistently has shown like $70,000 a year is really all we need, right? Going from... 20,000 a year to 40,000 a year, that's pretty significant. Your life has changed a lot, right? But from 70,000 to 90,000, your life really doesn't change that much. And mm -hmm. it's really hard to spend like a quarter million a year. So if you're an entrepreneur and, you have, and you've hit success, making more money doesn't do anything for you, right? So then the, the last hole for all of us, at least is what we've seen, is uh, soulful fulfillment, some sort of spiritual significance kind of deal. And I think for that... I think legacy is the only, not the only, but one of the biggest ways to attain significance. Mm, man. So then with that being said, Steve, uh, what's happiness to you then? Man, I'm happy every single day. I get to do what I love every single day. I'm excited. You know, I'm not popping out of bed at 5 a.m., but I am waking up at 5 a.m., right? Um, and I get to come to work. Uh, a lot of times, I'm one of the first ones here, you know, Um I'm not one of the last ones out. That's definitely not happening. But I'm always, I'm pretty often one of the first ones here. Um, I love what I do. So I'm happy every single day. And again, you got to look at perspective. You know, we had a, 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 our annual meeting a couple of days ago. And one of our team leaders said, you know, Steve, like, you're always so, like, you're so positive. It's like, no, I'm not positive. I'm not positive at all. No one says I'm positive, right? It's just I have perspective. It's that, you know, when things are bad, it's like, yeah, but like, did anyone die, right? Did anyone die? Did anyone get hurt? You know, did we, are we losing money? Sure. Right. Like we we're going through this adjust market adjustment. We've lost money on flips, right? It sucks. I'm not saying it doesn't suck, but this isn't the first time it's happened to me. Right. I went through 2007 through 2010. Right. So I think it's just a matter of perspective. So I'm grateful every day. You know, I, I know it sounds really uh, maybe too, you know, hippie ish or whatever, but we, we live in the greatest country in the greatest time to ever be alive. I mean, I get to drive a Tesla to work. I get to spend every morning with my kids. Like I literally take uh, two or three of my kids paying on a day to school every single weekday morning, right? Like there are a lot of parents that don't get to do that, uh, especially if they're an entrepreneur. So hmm. I love that because, uh, you know, I always think that uh, you definitely have the growth mindset and uh I totally agree with that. Did somebody die? That's a huge question. That's literally how I live my life too. Yeah. People, if you you don't have a problem, if your problem means to write a check, right? Like you yeah. saying that you you lost in the market. I mean, you're writing a check. So I, I love that you said that nobody has died on to the next. And uh, 
I feel like if you're going in anything, you're going to feel better. You're going to feel happy. And and that's definitely yeah. something that you have done throughout the years, Steve. Uh, I, we kind of started from the beginning, but uh, just so people know, uh, and those of you who don't know, shame on you. Come on now. Uh, but what are all the stuff that you're doing now? I, I know you own your own. I mean, I'll let you say it. I could sit here and give all your stuff for days, but if sure. you could let us know what, what all the stuff that you're doing now. Yeah, sure. So, you know, someone called me a podcaster YouTuber earlier this year. I was like, that's weird. I'm not that. And then I look back, so, okay, I guess I am, right? So, podcaster YouTuber, uh, sales trainer, right? I, I get to talk about sales, you know, every single day of the week. Um, I got, I own a title company. Um, I shut down my brokerage this year, but I'm still part of real. So, uh, it's actually uh, every bit as profitable without the headache. Um, we got our wholesaling company. We have our education company, obviously, like I said, sales. Uh, I recently invested into apartment complex. So we started off the year uh, buying into part of an comp apartment complex. And then later on in the year, I got to invest in a bank, right? So uh, the first bank to open in Arizona in Scottsdale, uh, but the first one in Arizona for 14 years, you know, I got to be a, a founder in a bank. Uh, so lots of really cool things happening. And I'm grateful for every single one. Like you said, like, what, what are you happy about? Or like, how do you be happy or define happiness? I'm happy every single day. Like everything's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And those of you listening at disruptors.com slash Billy the Kid, actually, if you go there right now, we got some great things on there. Uh, you do so many things, Steve, that uh, again, uh, just thank you for being here. I mean, it's a pleasure yeah. to be doing this interview. Um, And you're big on education. You mentioned that um, obviously you definitely already gave us the the difference between college and entrepreneurship. And mm -hmm. I couldn't agree anymore. Uh, you know, like uh, they say, right, like you go to college to make a living, but you educate yourself to make a fortune. And that exactly. is something that I, I know you have done. Uh, what are some ways that you have educated yourself throughout the years to get to where you're at? Or even what's like a daily way that you educate yourself? Yeah. So, you know, I started as a good student, right? Like I got the straight A's. I went to, you know, I got, got the good grades, went to gifted classes, right. To go, so I can go to a good college. I didn't, I went to Arizona state, but even then, right. <laughs> I got a full ride, right. To go to ASU and I graduated with a degree in electrical engineering, right. Again, did all the right things to make sure I did well. And then I got actually recruited uh, to UC San Diego uh, to be a PhD student. Right. So I was actually in the PhD program at UC San Diego for electrical engineering. Now I dropped out with a master's degree. But, you know, in, in doing all those things, once I graduated college, I felt like I'm done learning. Mm. I don't need to learn anymore, right? This was a limited mindset. This was not a growth mindset. This is a fixed mindset, definitely a major problem. So I'm at Intel and, and, and one of the leaders is like, hey, Steve, you know, there's this uh, seven habits of highly effective people. I think you should go check it out. And in, I'm this arrogant idiot, right? I'm like, look. I made it this far without it. I'm good. I don't need any more classes or education, right? Boy, that was such a stupid, arrogant comment, you know? But once I quit Intel, oh, and along the way, you know, you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and some other books. Not a whole lot, right? But once I quit Intel to work for myself, I've been consuming like crazy books, audiobooks, CDs, courses, live events, seminars, eventually coaching and mentorships and this and that. And when I first started, I remember I was going to these events, you know, 
uh, these Rias and whatever back in 2007. And God, I kick myself for like thinking I was too good for those. Cause I'd be far better today. Had I, you know, had, mm. I, had I listened back then, but because I wasn't coachable, I was thinking like, why would anyone ever spend 25 K to learn from somebody? Like I'd rather just go on my own and then, you know, lose 25 K in the process and learn what I need to learn along the way. Right. That was my mindset. And fortunately along the way I gathered humility, right. Cause I got kicked in the nuts, right. Like I said, I started in 2007 <laughs> Um, so, you know, you read a lot, you connect with the right people and you start learning, oh, graduating college is just a start. <laughs> it's mm. not the finish line. And so, yeah, what I do is masterminds, mentorships, and I'm still constantly learning. And like I said earlier, when I said I drop my kids off every, every morning, every morning we listen to Darren Hardy, right? Listen to, for five minutes at Darren Hardy Spiel, right? It's, it's DarrenDaily.com. And we talk about it. We talk about the lesson and how it applies. And then they get to listen to music on the way to school. Mm, love it. Love it. Love it. And, you know, one of the things that I, I always like to think when I'm opening a book, for example, is uh, I'm opening it to learn how to make a million dollars out of that book. Right. Mm -hmm. And with with that being said, because there's so many and you mentioned, I mean, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Seven Level. I mean, the, you mentioned a few in there. But what is one book? And if it is one of those two, that's totally fine. Um. What is one book that comes to your head right away when I ask this question? What is one book that has changed your life to this day, whether it's an older book that you read or maybe something mm -hmm. you're reading currently? And and it's book of the week. Uh, we've started with so much fire. Normally, I do that at the beginning of the show, but we're tagging along. So go ahead, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll just stick with the staples. Uh, I would say, you know, Rich, I poured out to open your mind. I wouldn't say there's anything earth shattering. Well, let me take a step back. There's no technical things in there, right? But if you're programmed by society this is the first part of like maybe red pill right for the matrix this is the first time he's like oh wait there's another world right so i would say uh rich dad poor dad for red pilling right all this w2s into entrepreneurship um and then after that think and grow rich is one of the best books ever written um you can read that book a bunch of times before you really get all the stuff out of it and every time you read it you're gonna get something different um and then besides that there's you know the morning uh the miracle morning i think is is, is huge um, I, I would say those three should put you in a really good start, extreme ownership. But I, I would say probably the first two, th uh, Think and Grow Rich is probably the, the most impactful after, after, there you go, after you opened your mind with uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. And I was showing him the Think and Grow Rich. I have a few versions here. Uh, that book is so powerful. I, I mean, literally, I read it every morning. Uh, I actually just finished it uh, and I just restarted it this morning, actually, or two days ago, actually, the for, back to the beginning. Uh, it's such an impactful book. Um, so so I love that. And, and I can see why you are where you're at now that you say that it all makes sense. Yeah. Yo, we'll be right back to this great episode of the Million Dollar Hustle podcast. Before we continue, I want you to go grab a copy of my book, The Power of Being Uncomfortable. It is out on Amazon. It is out on Barnes and Noble, Walmart.com, Target.com, and everywhere else books are available. The great news, guys, is you could go to BillyTheKid.com and grab an autographed copy. That is right. I'm going to mail you an autographed copy right now. Audiobook is also available on Audible, and everywhere else audiobooks are available. So go listen to it. Go grab yourself an autographed copy, and I'll see you on the other side, baby. And now back to this great episode of the Million Dollar Hustle Podcast. Ted, one question I wanted to ask you, Steve, was... Uh, with your kids, uh, what are you doing to, because especially where you're coming from, 
and I'm going to give you my example with me coming where I'm coming from. It's tough because at the beginning, it's like, oh, I want to give my kids the world. Right. And and thank mm-hmm. God, once you hit certain levels and you start traveling and you're able to give them material stuff, we'll say. Um, but I think the knowledge is the main thing. Like, uh, you know, rich dad, poor dad, they always talk about talking about money in the dinner table. Right. Like with your kids, mm-hmm. like there's nothing and you talked about while, while you're driving and you're you're given you're asking what's the lesson after the podcast that you just listened to with that being yep. said what's your borderline of not giving them too much to where they mm-hmm. just become entitled well they're not getting anything so there's that right so um i was surprised where we drew the line i don't know how we ended up at this line but they pay for our own school supplies right like they get birthday money new year's money this and that i don't know whose idea this was but they pay for their own school supplies. So, um, mm. you know, obviously it's parents that pay for like food and everything else, but they're, they don't have phones. Right. So the two oldest are in sixth grade and fifth grade. All of their friends and classmates have phones. Like they don't have phones. Like you're not getting a phone till high school. Sucks. I know might get ostracized by your class too bad. Right. But you're not getting phones. So, um, they get to see the fancy vacations and we explain to them the reason why we have these vacations because mom and dad worked hard and we do remind them, the kids, that mom and dad came from, you know, uh, really, really difficult situations. So I actually had, I actually hired a biographer to interview my parents. So we have a book that we're going to publish. We haven't published it yet, but the actual journey of my parents from like when they grew up in Vietnam until where they are today. And if you read that book, my parents went through some really tough stuff, right? So I think, you know, again, perspective, I think is huge. And and we, we do our best to give our kids perspective. There are times where they get, they start getting a little entitled. I was like, Hey, listen, you want this right now. I just want you to know people are getting laid off right now. Right. So like, I mean, this is like during COVID there's a time where they, they got really upset about something. Hey, I know you're really upset. Look at how many people just lost their jobs today. You still want to get upset about this? Like you want, like, let's, let's, Let's have some perspective here. Mm, wow. Love it. And I can't help but ask because you're, you're great at uh, the way you've grown your companies and and hiring and which that's a whole class overall. Again, disruptors.com slash Billy the Kid. Uh, you, you got some great content. Um, what and before we dive into a little more into how that works out. Uh, what's your mentality when it comes to, because you always hear hustle hard, right? Like the hustle mm-hmm. culture, but then there's work hard, which to me, at least with my story, I noticed that at the beginning, I think everybody has to work hard. You have to work hard at the beginning. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, after that, exactly. And then after that, you have to work smart, right? If you want to build mm-hmm. an empire, I think that's like yeah. the equation. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, definitely. You got to work hard when you start. There's no other way to do this, right? Like you don't know stuff when you start, right? You think you do. You might think that, oh, I already know this or that. But listen, like everything has got levels to this. Um, If you asked me three years ago, maybe five years ago, are you a great leader? I would say, hell yeah, I'm a good leader, right? Look around. Like I've got this awesome operation. Last two years have been one of the hardest transitions in leadership because we went from an organization with like three or four people on payroll to almost 20 people on payroll, right? The challenges you have leading an organization with three people on payroll versus 20 people on payroll, it's 
vastly different, right? If I'm sitting in a room with Billy every single day and we're hustling together, it doesn't take a lot of management. I know what Billy's up to. Billy knows what I'm up to. Communication's not that important, right? I don't have to be as clear with my instructions. If Billy reports to me and someone reports to Billy and I want to make sure that person that works for Billy is reporting to Billy is getting some stuff done, I'll tell it to Billy. Billy will tell it to that guy. Communication is getting lost. Expectations are being lost, right? There, um, the 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 value they feel is not the same, right? Now we got twenty people. When I was spending 20, 30 hours a week, shoulder to shoulder, with Billy. Now I'm seeing Billy like two, maybe three hours a week. It's not the same connection, right? So the leadership challenges get immensely more challenging. So if you ask me, I was a great leader three years ago. I said, hell yeah, I'm a great leader. You ask me right now, I was like, man, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not as confident right now. I'm hoping next year I'll feel a lot more confident about it. But there's a lot of things that come up in growing and scaling. And a lot of it comes to the ability, the, the emotional intelligence, the ability to understand people, communicate effectively. And by the way, I still suck at it. Uh, but communicating effectively, there are a lot of challenges that go into growing and scaling a company the right way. Mm, yeah, so true. And with that being said, what was your first hire so if we take it back to obviously where you're at now, but what mm -hmm. was the first hire that you did and, and how, how does someone scale from that first hire to the 20 employees? Yeah. So my very first hire was an assistant, someone to help me with all the administrative stuff, uh, which I think most people will tell you, like your first hire should be an administrative stuff. Don't hire a salesperson. I think that's a mistake a lot of people make. So you hire an assistant to make sure they're doing all the, the meticulous, monotonous, mind numbing activities, right? Stuff that you should not be doing. That was the first hire. And I believe I got that hire correct. I think that was one of the very few hires I got correct <laughs> in the beginning, you know? <laughs> um, and then uh, eventually uh, I, I screwed up as a leader and, and upset her and she left to go do something else. Uh, but what was the question? How did I go from that to 20 people? Exactly. Yeah. So I think the first thing is you want to hire an assistant and ideally maybe hire a second assistant before you hire a salesperson. Um, I see so many people try to hire salespeople and salespeople is a whole different level of managing. But the one thing that we all have to understand is if you're going to hire salespeople, you're going to be dealing with a situation where you're going to become the assistant to the salesperson, right? Because they're selling. So the thing that you probably, as much as we hate rejection and prospecting, all these other things, those are high income activities that we can control. Once you manage a salesperson, you got to get a person to be motivated to prospect work for 40 hours a week. So you got to manage them while also dealing with all the paperwork and all the, you know, minimum wage or $15 an hour activity. So I always, you know, push people, don't hire a salesperson until you must hire a salesperson. You should do as much sales activity as possible because that is the high income activity. Mm. The other thing too, you know, when you're managing salespeople, just recognize most salespeople that you find, the most people, most people that are naturally sales oriented tend to have a high degree of autonomy, tend to have a bigger ego, not necessarily in a bad way, but you know, they have a, bigger ego. Um, and they tend to believe the rules don't apply to them. Right. So just know when you're trying to manage salespeople, this is the most difficult group of people to manage, right? Hire an administrative person. They're on payroll. Hey, I need you to do this. Why? Cause I'm paying you for it. I'm not saying that's the right way to lead of leading, but that's also the truth. Sales guy mm -hmm. who gets paid commission. Hey, I need you to do this. Why? Cause this is the way we're going to bring revenue to the company. <laughs> mm. Right. So it's a different level of leadership required to lead a salesperson effectively. So 
what one main line that I I mean you dropped fire by the way, but one main line that stuck up or that stood out when you said I screwed up the first hire. I mean, <laughs> those of you listening, accountability. Like I, I feel like that is one thing that out of unfortunately many things that society doesn't have nowadays is accountability. Hold yourself accountable for everything that you do and your life will change. Uh, yeah. I want to hear your perspective of that. If you could give us some wisdom of just holding yourself accountable for stuff that, and you know what, there, because there's that, the, the things, right. That I, even with me, like I practice this, I try to practice it, but there's times where I'm like, how is that my fault? But I always mm -hmm. go back to that, right? <laughs> like how, you know, that accident, the tire, right? Like there's the, the, there's different things that happen that people are always, it's just easy to say, Oh, wow. Why does it happen to me? So if you could speak a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll give you an example here. You know, there was some, someone that came to one of our live events and, and they sent a private message to somebody else, you know, and they were kind of knocking our organization a little bit, you know? And like, at first I was really upset. But then I was like, well, that was a private conversation, right? And like, he could say whatever he wants in a private conversation. And at the end of the day, there was something that we did to, to, to start that message, right? I wish I knew what it was. You know, unfortunately, since it was a private message, I can't go back and like, hey, I, I know you said this, right? I can't do that. Uh, but I know clearly something that happened, right? So without self-reflection and responsibility and, and accepting ownership, like how can we possibly get better? You know, Um Jim Rohn says, has this wonderful quote, you know, in order to become a millionaire, you got to, uh, in order to get a million dollars in the bank, you first, you got to become a millionaire, right? Mentally. Right. So mm -hmm. how can I possibly grow if I believe I'm done growing? Just remember, you know, when I was 27, I thought that was it. I, I thought I was the bomb. I thought I was, you know, perfect, right? Master's degree, got a great job. Life is going exactly to plan, right? You know, except for that part where I was entirely unfulfilled, everything was going perfect. You know, um, and so until we accept responsibility for everything, including things where it feels like it's not our fault, we're never going to get better. And the only way to have a better life is to be a better person. So mm. how do you find fulfillment, Steve? Uh, right now, for me, fulfillment is watching other people grow. You know, um, I had someone that came onto our podcast the other day, you know, uh, he launched he has an existing real estate fund is already up and running and with our support he was able to put it on the blockchain so now he's getting money from people with crypto money to invest in his real estate fund like how cool is that right so that's the most recent success but generally speaking we've created millionaires we've had people share their successes so anytime someone makes a big leap in their journey and i know that i was a part of it you know i don't need to be the whole book it's not that right but a page or two, like that's pretty darn fulfilling to be a part of someone's journey who's achieved something that they weren't sure was possible and you, you mm. helped them get there. That's, that's what I find fulfilling. Mm. I love it. We'll be right before back. Before we continue, go subscribe to Billy the Kid YouTube. That is Billy, D-H-A-K-I-D. -E. Also, go follow Billy the Kid Music on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, and everywhere else. Music is available. And now, Back to this great episode. Let's go. Hopping out the two though. We're number two foe. Feel like Kobe though. I'm winning. Need to do more. I'm a sorry. College wasn't for me. Street smart. No degree. Just like Kobe. Self-made boss with a suit like a mogul. I'm the new era. You see it on my logo. And you know, it's so funny. All these questions, guys. Those of you who are listening, I mean, 
as you know, the million dollar hustle, right? Like it could be anything, but I, I'm a perfect, like, I, I believe perfectly that if your mindset is not right, then you, even if it's art that you want to go sell, or you want to be an artist or a podcaster, right? Like whatever it is that you do, if your mindset is not set up. So it, the point that I'm making is just so funny because, um, you heard the man, all the stuff that he's doing, but it's because his mindset is right. And I want to hear your perspective on that, Steve. Uh, and and also to add on to that question. So what's your perspective on just a positive mindset, right? Overall, but also the people that you surround yourself with, huh? how do you tackle the neg- negative people that maybe you were around before and, and how yeah. are you letting them go the nice way, right? Quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jim Rohn talks about this too, right? Like, you know, you're the average of five people you spend the most time with. And he doesn't say you have to cut toxic people out. He doesn't say you've got toxic family members, you got a toxic brother or sister, right? Or sister in law. He doesn't say you got to cut them out. Just limit to maybe like three minutes of exposure per year, right? So, um, the, but for me, yeah, I, I, I eliminate myself in, in, in conversations or situations where there's no return on time. And that's going to sound entirely selfish. I get it. But I've got I, I was put on this planet to do something and being in those situations is not going to help me achieve what I was put on this planet for. Um, as far as a positive mindset, I generally want to associate with people that are rowing in the same direction as me. And the great thing is they want to associate with other people that are rowing in the same direction. So I get to be included in that conversation. So I think surrounding yourself with the right people that are trying to do the same things, I think is super critical if you want to be able to achieve what you want to achieve. And the last thing as far as mindset, you know, I think grit and 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 perseverance. It's what it's going to take. So what I, what I was saying earlier, you know, salespeople have egos and it's not necessarily a bad thing. What I mean by that is bad things happen every single day, right? I got crushed in the last recession. I got a little bloodied, right, this year because things have changed, right? Phoenix, I think, is one of the markets that led the charge in this uh, this uh, real estate correction. Um, and so bad things happen. But like, you know, in the middle of a podcast, maybe a feed will die. Uh, maybe the, uh, the light, when the light goes out. Um, like those are things that people can see, right? There are other things that happen that people can't see, you know, behind the scenes, you know, uh, maybe a, a very heated argument within, uh, leaders within the organization, bad things happen. And if you dwell on them, you're not gonna make any progress, right? All we can do is figure out what happened, why it happened, how, how can we make sure it doesn't happen again? And if it continues happening again, then do we have the right people in place, right? Do we have the right systems? policies procedures in place to make sure it doesn't happen again but that's all we can do we can't we can't be perfect and we're expecting perfection we're only gonna be disappointed um and we can't accept mediocrity because if that is then you're not achieving your perfect uh, achieving your purpose so this is healthy balance but i think mindset and surrounding yourself with the right people is super critical if you want to be able to achieve you know what you believe you're put on this planet for mm, i love that and solution right like there's always a solution for everything except health i think health is the number one priority that everybody should have and then after that like again if you could write a check just write the damn check it and don't get me wrong there's some that hurt more than others right like that that uh for example a sewer line that went out and and this is you know a few months ago for me but even then like i literally had to remind myself hey what do you preach right like talk to yourself and and remind yourself that it is a check, write it, done, let's move on. And I and I feel like a lot of people dwell on on the problems and and I think every problem has a solution again mm-hmm. except health. 
right? So if you can, and, and to, to be honest with you too, even health, right? Like if, if you have a little more money to write the check, then you could be a little more healthy. Uh, it, it's crazy. 100%. And then you, I, I love that you touched on the people you surround yourself with, you know, it, it's big on having your core values down. And I'm a big believer. Like if somebody criticizes them in a negative way, or anything. I mean, you just got to cut them out. I mean, it is what it is. You you do have, you mentioned being selfish. Honestly, I, I definitely agree with you, Steve. Uh, you, you have to be because you do have a, a bigger mission in life than the typical people, unfortunately. Right. Uh, yeah. uh, the, the, we're the three percentage, right? Like the 3% of people, um, with that being said, and, and again, uh, I was making a point guys earlier about the whole mindset thing, because that is why he is where he is. But, uh, we're we're getting short on time here. Um, I do want to ask you, you have the crystal ball right now, Steve, and you mentioned you've been in the market and you survived the 07 to 10. What is happening with the market? You have the crystal ball right now. What are we going to see in the next few months to a year and, and beyond? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take everything I've heard, right? Because I, I can't see it myself, but I am, I got my ears on the ground talking to other smart people, right? So what seems to be the most common interpretation is we're gonna have a market decline, uh, market decline, right? 7% across the country. I feel like we already started that right this year. I think in our market, right. We're about the same place we were last year about, um, you know, we had a run up like 15% at the beginning of the year. And then we've lost all that throughout the year. You know, uh, I think next year, you know, 7% drop, which really for the most part, doesn't really affect most people. Right. Um, if you're looking to buy, looking to sell, 7% of your home's worth, does it affect your pocketbook? 100%. But is it really going to make a big difference in your life? Probably not. So I think for most people, 7% is no big deal. The greater issue is the volume decline. And I think we're all seeing it across the country, right? So if market volume drops 50%, 70%, like we've seen in our market, right? We've dropped over 60% in, in activity. Well, if you're in real estate, you get paid not based off of market value. You get paid. Uh, you get paid based off of volume, right? Based off of activity. And so, as you're a wholesaler, right? Like you're making fifteen to twenty k a wholesale deal, and you're doing five or six a month. Now you're doing maybe a five k assignment fee, and you're doing two a month, right? Like it's the volume that hurt you way more than your average fee. And so, I think that we're going to see a lot of people. Uh, head for the exits and it sucks for those people heading for the exits but again being selfish i'm super excited because we're going to dominate in this next market mm. so true i i love that uh and what are so since you survived the 07 to 10 uh can you give us like three to five things that you learned during that time that you're gonna apply this time around and and i think uh, we're comparing right like but we, i i I'm not doing it in a negative way. I think we mm -hmm. have to go back and see what did we do right? What did we do wrong? So if you could give us a three to five things that you're going to, that you remember from then that you're going to do again in this recession. I would say the two biggest things that helped me the most, first and foremost, is resourcefulness, right? Like I was a realtor and I was trying to get REO accounts. Right? I was trying to list properties for banks. And the fact of the matter is all the doors were closed. You cannot get in through the front door, right? You go to bankamerica.com, chase.com, you apply to be an REO agent. Nothing, right? They just send you an auto reply. Thank you for your interest. We'll let you know, right? Absolutely crickets. So what did I have to do? I would go to the conferences where all the bankers were at. I find the bankers, I identify the bankers. Hey, what are you doing later on? 
right? Everyone's getting their business cards so they can send them an email or the resume, blah, blah, blah. Hey, what are you doing later on? All right, what's your cell? Let me, I'm gonna reach out to you, right? And I invite them out to go drinking. And we go to the clubs, we go to the bars. I get bottle service, right? I invite the girls over into bottle service. Are the bankers happy with me? Right? What happens when I get back home? Listings, right? So resourcefulness. If you're waiting for the door to open, you might you might need a battering ram, right? But maybe the back door is not quite locked all the way, right? So I think you got to be resourceful. I think that's number one. Number two, you've got to have, uh, I think, again, the right relationships, being surrounded with the right people. Because right now, I might not have the answer. Billy might have the answer. And because I'm connected with Billy, hey, Billy, I'm struggling with this. What do you think? And you got the answer, right? Now I'm in a much better position. But if I try to figure this out by myself, or if I'm only you know looking online, Online is powerful. Online is a powerful resource, right? It's the reason why you're creating this content. It's the reason why I'm creating content. Online is an incredibly powerful uh, resource, but it's not as powerful as someone that's a phone call away. Mm. Mm. Wow. Love that. And, you know, it, it's so crazy because, he, guys, those of you who are listening, check out everything that Steve has. I mean, the Disruptors channel is crazy man uh you know check it out guys because literally i feel like even you listening to this podcast guys it's literally my goal is to deliver a book every time that i do a podcast and i definitely think if you literally sit down and do everything that steve has talked about today your life can change you can become a millionaire you can get on your million dollar hustle and i asked the same questions at the end of the show steve and and so i'm gonna jump right into the last segment here uh and I asked you this before, but I, I'm going to ask you again. I wrote the book, The Power of Being Uncomfortable. And I want to ask you, what is one way that you got uncomfortable that changed your life completely? That comes to your head because I feel like that power, you do it every day as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But what is yeah. one way that you could go back to and say, yep, I, that's when the climax happened? Uh, when, I, when, when I put myself uncomfortable, I mean... I guess, you know, going back to, I say the example, right. Talking to the bankers was like walking up to them. Cause when you were at these REO conferences, you, they're, they're surrounded by a sea of realtors trying to give them their business cards. Right. So they can email them the resumes, whatever, but getting up to introduce yourself and have that awkward conversation. Hey, Billy, Steve, you know, what do you got going on later on? Right. Like it's a, it's so much like dating, right. It's so uncomfortable the very first time, but the only part that's uncomfortable is the initial, initial high. Right. After 15, 20 seconds, all the awkwardness is gone. So taking a deep breath and going have that intro, uh, awkward introduction, I say that's the biggest for me. And I say that it, it, it may not seem immediately obvious, but I am naturally an introvert. Right. I force myself outside my comfort zone in order to go introduce myself. So I would say that's probably what uh, I do that's uncomfortable is taking that deep breath. And then just standing up and taking a couple steps in that direction, knowing if I just stand up and take a couple steps in that direction, I'll go do what it is I know I have to do, but I'm still a little inside scared to do. The last time I saw you, you mentioned that it's so funny because uh, it's literally the same thing as putting yourself out there. Because last time you said was getting in front of the camera and talking, right? Like, so, so it, it's definitely oh, yeah. putting yourself in those scenarios. Uh, it's a consistent answer from you, Steve. Uh, and then, if you were to look back at your younger self and you could tell some wisdom, you could tell yourself some wisdom, some advice, what would that, what would that information be that you would tell yourself? 
I don't think I would tell myself anything because I was stubborn as hell, right? Um, I mean, I was I was a pretty again arrogant idiot, you know. So only thing I would do is maybe slip in the 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 uh, rich dad poor dad book a little earlier, right? Because I'm the kind of person that has to convince himself. No one can convince me. So mm. I don't think there's any bit of wisdom I could have given myself because I would have been stubborn, too stubborn, proud to listen. But I think if someone could have slipped me that that rich dad poor dad book a little earlier to red pill me and, and, and get me <laughs> into the entrepreneurial mm. world. Love it. Love it. Love it. And uh, if there was a three-step formula to success, and if you do these three things, you're not going to fail. You're going to be on your million-dollar hustle. What are the three steps to the million-dollar hustle? It's really simple. It's really simple, right? Start. Find someone that's done it. Spend time with them. Keep doing it. That's it. That's all there is. That's all there is to entrepreneurship, right? As long as you keep doing it, you will find a way. Mm, powerful. Very true. And uh, I know you you do content all the time, but uh, currently, right now, what is one book that you would write and what would be the theme and title of it? Book I would write. Um I was actually thinking about something like this this morning, if I, how I could do it. It's just documenting my journey in in uh, in in building my business to where it's at. Because man, there have been so many failures, so many failures, right? So if I could just write down all the failures and the lessons I learned from it, because mm. there has been a moment where I was like, maybe I am not that, maybe I'm not that good a leader as I thought I was, you know. Uh, but then you know, looking back, I said, like, okay, but. The level of difficulty, level of difficulty has gone up a lot, right? And I got to give myself a little bit of grace. So mm. I would wow. say the 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 where how I got from to where I am today, and then all the mistakes I made along the way. It's gonna be a long book, uh, and then the lessons <laughs> learned from it. Wow, powerful, love it, love it, and uh, disruptors.com slash Billy the Kid. But Steve Trang, uh, and again, shame on you, shame on you if you're not following Steve yet, but. Uh, can you give us the links where people can find you and just your website overall? Yeah. So right there, right? Disruptors.com slash Billy the Kid. And then you can find me on Instagram at Steve.Trang. Uh, let's see, where else am I? Uh, SteveTrangTelegram.com. You know, I'm I'm going to be posting more stuff on my Telegram there. So I, I would say those are the three ways. Um, yeah, I would say that's it. Awesome, man. Well, Steve, thank you again. I, I truly appreciate it. This uh, has been amazing. Again, those of you who are listening, literally, you listen to this podcast, you can change your life. It's a book itself. So thank you, Steve. I want to thank you so much. Uh, con- give you your flowers for everything you have done. Make sure you guys follow him. Follow me if you're wherever you're listening to. Uh, screenshot and tag us on Instagram, and we're gonna reshare it so that way you could get followers, I could get followers, Steve can get followers, we all get followers. Other than that, guys, subscribe and vamanos. And some don't like that. They hate that they see you smile. As if I haven't been hustling, it's been a while. Gotta put in the work if you wanna shine. I want it all and I'm coming for what's mine. Some call me greedy. Bitch, I call it ambition. Some call me selfish. Bitch, I call it motivation. Different levels of thinking and we both right. But my mindset is on growth with the future bright. Minded people mad at me that I'm speaking facts Or maybe could it be that I'm getting racks Open your mind, gotta open it to receive I'm always ten toes for what I believe Those minded people mad at me